what are you trying to play? I'm just trying to figure out the bass line to that Paula Abdul song, Forever Your Girl. Oh, yeah, I love that song. I wish I could hear more Paula Abdul on the radio. You can. On WCBN, FM Ann Arbor. Really? 88.3. It's all Paula all the time. Awesome. Pandora's box, a box of chocolates Would I know To stay away oh, I said Pandora's box, a box of chocolates Would I eat Them anyway Cause Every time I have half a mind To leave you, babe That means I have half a mind To stay It's Paula Abdul's Lunchbox on WCBN. Hi, I'm Paula. Wait, hold on. Let me me try that again real quick. Here we go. Yeah. Hold on. This is uh, Forever Your Girl. Straight up, I'm going to tell you. No, hold on a second. Hold on. I'm I'm sorry. This is Mike. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Yeah, this is Mike, and this is Pandora's Lunchbox. It's a show about food in a parallel universe from... Paula Abdul's Lunchbox. I'm Mike, really. Pandora's is a show about food and culture, and today we're going to look at some festive holiday traditions in Iceland. And just to get into the mood for that, we're going to hear some lovely Icelandic music. These are the sugar cubes and something that tastes really good. It's a delicious demon.
tasty. Demons taste good. Yeah. <clears throat> right. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, and that was the Sugar Cubes. They were also the Sugar Cubes. And that's with the lead singer Bjork, who actually is more closely pronounced Bjork, but we'll get to that in just a moment. Right now, it's time to talk about Yule traditions in Iceland. It's that time of year again when I wish that I was cool enough to be from Iceland. Because, why? Because, 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 because. Because Iceland, why? Well, it has a population of about 313,000. It's volcanically and geographically, I'm not reading this off a screen, screen. it's volcanically and geologically active on a large scale, and there's sand fields, mountains, and glaciers, glacial flows, all kinds of stuff, and they have some really cool Yule traditions, and that's the main thing I want to talk about right now. I want to talk about the Yule Time Lads, the Yule Tide Lads, excuse me. Starting December 12th, which was but yesterday, the Yolas Venar started arriving into town. You may have noticed them. Yes, uh, every single day from December 12th until December 24th, Yule Eve, you go, you see a, oh goodness, goodness gracious, I've just had one of the great American traditions of a huge holiday work meal, and so I, my brain has fallen off. But we'll talk about that too in just a moment. But the Yolas Venar come to town. December 12th was the first one. In town first was the Stekjarstar, also called Gimpy. Today arriving is the Giliagar, or the Gully Imp. You may have noticed the Gully Imp out on State Street. Well, he's here because he is the second of the Yuletide lads to arrive in Icelandic tradition. There will also be the Itty Bitty, also named Stufur, or, I'm going to have to butcher this and I apologize, the Pjörvú, no, I won't, he's the Pot Scraper Licker, and then the Pot Licker on December 16th, So it's and then the Bowl Licker on December 17th. Why do the Yuletide lads come once a day from December 12th until the day before Christmas? Here's the story. They are the sons of Grilla and Lepaludi. This pair of child-eating, bloodthirsty ogres, delicious demons you might say, are the supposed parents of the Yuletide lads. The dominant member of the relationship is Grilla, who, according to some sources, had another husband before Lepaludi. His name was Boli. Boli and later Lepaludi were bedridden, and Grilla went around the countryside begging to support her husbands. At Christmas time, she stole children. Yeah, they stole children, who had been naughty during the year. Through the centuries, Grilla has been a very popular means of making children behave. Yeah. There are numerous lays and stories about Grilla and her exploits, but she never really gets her hands on the children. Shh, don't tell them that. Either they have been very well behaved throughout the year, or they managed to escape. So that's a hint for you kids out there. Escape before she bloodthirsty ogre eats you. Stuff like that. So... These are the parents, and their kids are the Yuletide lads, and they come around every Yuletide. And there is a different Yuletide lad for each day, as I mentioned, but there are other ones as well. There is Boggy, or the Bundle, the Bandalesir, the Strap Loosener, Falda Fakir, the Skirt Blower, there's also the Fat Gobbler, the Barn Roll, the Donut Beggar, we'll get to donuts in a moment, the Lamp Shadow, Moore Charlie, the Smoke Gulper, Mmm, Butter Greedy, I am, Black Ugly, and Icebreaker. And in Iceland we are, in the land of the Yoles Venar, where Bjork and the Sugar Cubes sing us a song. Now, in just a moment, we're going to also learn about another Yuletide tradition. Go something like this, sort of.
Sneaky Cat, ending early, huh? Yeah, that is Cat, or Cat, if you will, by the Sugar Cubes. And that is a song from their album Life's Too Good, and it certainly is. That was in the beautiful Icelandic language. And we're here on Pandora's Lunchbox talking about Yuletide, Yule Iceland traditions. And what about cats, you might ask? Well... The Yule cla- the, here is the Yule cat. The cat just grabbed the, the information away from me. Give it, give, give, give it back. Give it back. Okay. Now, the oldest written sources on the Yule cat are from the 19th century. Those refer to the fact that those who do not get a new item of clothing for Yule are destined to become offerings for the Yule cat. <laughs> it may sound strange that the deprived ones will also become the sacrifices, yeah. But this tradition is based on the fact that every effort was made to finish all work with the autumn wool before Yule. The reward for those who took part in the work was a new piece of clothing. Those who were lazy received nothing. Thus, the Yule cat was used as an incentive to get people to work harder. A woman describes a scene from her youth in the last century thus, We were lazy doing this chore, then we were reminded of the Yule cat, We thought that was some terrible beast, and the last thing we wanted was to be one of his offers. One of Iceland's most beloved poets in his century, in this century, Johannes Urkotlum, wrote a lay about the Yule cat. It follows in the translation of Vignir Jonsson, who says, You'll have to forgive me, but I did not make it rhyme. I'm not much of a poet. And I'm not much of a poet reader, so here we go. Poet reader? I'm not able much to say poet reader person. (laughs) Anyway, here goes. You all know the Yule cat, and that cat was huge indeed. People didn't know where he came from or where he went. He opened his glaring eyes wide, the two of them glowing bright. It took a really brave man to look straight into them. His whiskers sharp as bristles, his back arched up high, and the claws of his hairy paws were a terrible sight. He gave a wave of his strong tail, he jumped and he clawed and he hissed. Sometimes up in the valley, sometimes down by the shore. He roamed at large, hungry and evil, in the freezing Yule snow. In every home, people shuddered at his name. If one heard a pitiful meow, something evil would happen soon. Everybody knew he hunted men, but didn't care for mice. He picked on the very poor that got no new garments for Yule, who toiled and lived in dire need. From them he took in one fell swoop their whole Yule dinner, always eating it himself if he possibly could. Hence it was that the women at their spinning wheels sat spinning a colorful thread for a frock or a little sock, because you mustn't let the cat get hold of the little children. They had to get something new to wear from the grown-ups each year. And when the lights came on on Yule Eve and the cat peered in, the little children stood rosy and proud, all dressed up in their new clothes. Some had gotten an apron, and some had gotten shoes, or something that was needed. That's all it took." For all who got something new to wear stayed out of that pussycat's grasp. He then gave an awful hiss, but went on his way. Whether he still exists, I do not know. But his visit would be in vain if next time everybody got something new to wear. Now you might be thinking of helping where help is needed most. Perhaps you'll find some children that have nothing at all. Perhaps searching for those that live in a lightless world will give you a happy day and a merry, merry Yule. And that's the story of the Yule cat from Johannes Urkotlum, which I hope I am pronouncing roughly correctly. The story of the Yule cat, an Icelandic tradition at this time of year. Meanwhile, back in the States...
Santa Claus. He's Fat Daddy. He's Santa Claus. He's also Fat Daddy. That was Fat Daddy, and that was called Fat Daddy, okay? That was from a collection called A John Waters Christmas, a collection of John Waters, the man himself's favorite Yuletide tunes, and that is on the New Line Records label, and that was beautiful. Fat Daddy was a Baltimore DJ, if I remember John Walters, uh, Walter, John Waters describing that. He was a DJ from Baltimore, a favorite of his when he was growing up, and he... This guy, Fat Daddy, cut his own record explaining that he, in fact, was Santa Claus. But he was not the Yule Cat. I mean, he was probably a cool Yule Cat, but that's a whole different story. Now, here's something you should know about Iceland. Iceland has overtaken Norway as the world's most desirable country to live in, according to an annual United Nations table published last month. Rich free market countries dominate the top places, yeah, with Iceland, Norway, Australia, Canada, and Ireland in the first five. The U.S. is 12th. The index blends 2,005 figures for life expectancy, life expectancy, educational levels, and real per capita income. And with the Yule cat prowling around threatening children and the Yule lad's parents running around gobbling up children, it's a wonder the life expectancy is so high in Iceland. But nonetheless, nonetheless, that's, it's, it's a good thing. Now, I want to talk about Bjork for a second because we've been playing Bjork songs from the Sugar Cubes album, Life's Too Good the fine Icelandic band. Björk is a common female name given in Iceland. It's normal for an Icelander to be referred to by his or her first name, so it's not just a stage name type of thing. Björk means birch tree in Icelandic. Though many English speakers pronounce her name Björk, a more accurate approximation would be Björk, which she has pointed out rhymes with jerk. Icelanders still use their traditional name system, which was formerly used in all of Scandinavia, 
The Icelandic system does not use family names or surnames. A person's last name indicates the first name of the subject's father or mother in some cases. Before 1925, it was legal to adopt new family names in Iceland. A notable Icelander who did so was the Nobel Prize-winning author Haldor Laxness. Since Since then, one cannot adopt a family name unless one has the right to do so because of inheritance. First names that have not been used in Iceland before have to be approved by the Icelandic Naming Committee before being used. They're accepted or rejected based on whether or not they can be easily incorporated into the Icelandic language. First, they must contain only letters found in the Icelandic alphabet. Second, names must be able to be declined, that is to say, modified according to their grammatical case. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Now, I also wanted to look at something else to do with Iceland here. This is from a Daily Life blog from the IcelandReview.com. This is a fellow who talks about stuffing his face. I talked earlier about stuffing my face earlier today at the American tradition of going to work and eating way too much until you can't breathe or see anymore. Where some nations might have the odd Christmas office party, secret Santas, or wreaths on their computer screens, says this feller, it is customary in Iceland for companies to treat their employees to a traditional board, roughly translated Christmas buffet. Uh, now I say roughly translated because the word hladbord literally means pile table, as in mounds of grub, as in an angry gauntlet of food, as in Christmas buffet, the doors are locked from the outside. This is a rare rare example of the American appetite for quantity creeping into Icelandic gastronomy. It reminds me of the time Gisli and I visited Graceland, Elvis' home in Memphis, Tennessee, and I decided to grab a bite to eat afterwards. I ordered sanely a pulled pork sandwich and a pickle spear. Gisli, the unknowing Icelander, decides to simply order something light and opted for the grilled chicken salad. Unbeknownst to him, the American conception of salad has grown into something intense and grotesque. A vehicle for cream, cheese, oil, bacon, and fried bread. To his horror, Geesley is brought a punch bowl full of lettuce topped with five chicken breasts and two bowls of ranch dressing on the side. Mmm. Geesley tells this story, and the one about our sausage gravy fiasco at Denny's, to wide-eyed groups of Icelanders whenever asked about his great American road trip. It will elicit the same skeptical glances and sighs of disbelief. However, I don't see what's so hard to believe about it. Icelanders certainly know how to put it away when it comes to Christmas. What are some of the things they eat? The Yuletide favorite in Iceland is invariably hangigjot, a smoke-cured leg of lamb which is thinly sliced and served with boiled or candied potatoes, green peas, pickled red cabbage, all swimming in white sauce. Some dishes go a little too far. My favorite example is the sinful delight known as the puru steak, which is a slab of fatty pork with a thick layer of fried pork rind on top. If Denny's caught wind of this, it would be the end of the American people. <laughs> Other people fill up with laufabraud. Its name translated means leaf bread, which conjures up images of health. That would be incorrect. Laufabraud is deep-fried dough served in crispy slices as big as your head. These dishes, while certainly not healthy, are lip-smacking, finger-licking good. However, there is one Christmas dish that even I can't stomach. It's traditionally eaten on December 23rd, known as Thorlaks Mesa, the massive Saint Thorlakar, the patron saint of Iceland, who died on this day, that day, in 1199. To honor the saint, the nation dines on putrefied skate, smothered in lamb suet. 
Allow me to repeat that. Putrefied skate smothered in lamb suet. It's actually befitting because the slop stinks to high, holy heaven. That's beautiful. That's from a blog called Daily Life on the IcelandReview.com website. And before we wrap it up, we're going to take just a moment to listen to this traditional song for Christmas by the Sugar Cubes. That's right, Sick for Toys. Might not now be sick for toys. That's right. Sick for toys by the Sugar Cubes. Running out of time here. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. I've been Mike. Thank you for allowing that. And coming up, it's our Wolf with Face the Music. 
talking about Iceland and Yule traditions, but this is something I want you to know before we go. For most kids, there's no avoiding a visit to the dentist's office, says the AP. But in Rochester, New York, they're looking into a new way for dentists to examine children's teeth without the kids having to be in the office. It's called teledentistry, and it's being tried out by the Eastman Dental Center under a five-year, half-million-dollar grant from the National Institutes of Health. Using the Internet, dentists will be able to see inside the mouths of children at specially equipped daycare centers. Researchers want to find out if online screening of inner-city children who don't often get to the dentist can help head off tooth decay. As part of the study, some 500 preschool children will be screened over the next five years. Wouldn't it be great if, after all this teeth gnashing over the Patriot Act and unwarranted government surveillance, that all the government really wanted to do was to make sure our teeth were okay? Just our teeth? That would be neat. Happy teeth are neat. That's the latest word in dental health from the American Society of Dentistry for Children. Daily brushing and flossing to eliminate plaque, regular visits to the dentist beginning no later than age three, and cutting down on sweet snacks, especially between meals, can help keep them happy and healthy. Happy teeth are neat. Yes, they are. Thank you. This is WCBN FM Ann Arbor, and we're going to just play a little bit of this and slide into Arbel's Face the Music here. Happy Yule to Gimpy, the Gully Imp, Itty Bitty, the Pot Scraper Licker, the Pot Licker, the Bowl Licker, the Door Slammer, the Skeeter Gobbler, Skeer is a kind of yogurt, the Sausage Snatcher, we won't talk about that, the Window Peeper, the Doorway Sniffer, the Meat Hooker, and the Candle Beggar, the Yuletide Lads of Iceland. Yule bless us everyone, y'all. But do you recall the most famous reindeer of all? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you would even say it grows. All of the other reindeer used to like the Well, Mike, that's probably about the only person I would accept that from. 
It's always good to hear Tiny Tim. I would like to hear him do uh, something Coptic sometime, or maybe something from the uh, Egyptian Book of the Dead, but we're still waiting. Meanwhile, it's two minutes past seven o'clock. This is Radio Free Ann Arbor, WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor. Time to face the music. I'd like to begin with something.